Hey, thank you for joining us again today. I'm so glad that you're watching with us as we continue our series called Take It Back. And if you weren't here last week, let me kind of bring you up to speed. There are things in our life that sometimes get lost along the way. Maybe something happens to us. Uh, Maybe we make some choices and we end up at a place to where we're not where we used to be. And specifically last, time, uh, last week, we talked about spiritually, that maybe there was a time we loved Jesus a little bit more. Maybe our walk with him was a little bit closer than where it is now. And we need to evaluate what did we lose along the way so that we can make a decision to take back what was lost. Now, this happens throughout our life, just in the the smallest of things. And um, something happened to me last Wednesday that I was going to share with you about because some of you had texted me about how my hand is doing. And uh, my hand is healing. And here's the story if you don't know what went down. Uh, It was a really long day last Wednesday. I got up here like at 6 a.m. I didn't leave the office until 9 p.m. I get home and I'm with Valerie. I'm with the boys and we're just talking. We're chatting about the day. How did their online Zoom school go? Um, And so we're actually just hanging out as a family. And it, it was about 1030 and I thought... I just need a little snack. You know, I mean, at, at times you go for a snack. Now, I know you do the same thing. So in the window, what's your go-to snack at your 10.30 p.m. at night? Just type it out for everyone to know. Um, I'm going to let you take a guess at what my 10.30 p.m. snack was this night last week. I open up the pantry and this is what's in my pantry that you're seeing. So you can actually chat in the window what you think I was going for, okay? It could have been the mandarin oranges. It could have been the green jackfruit. I don't even know what that is. So I'm just letting you know that wasn't it. Um, it could have been the Nutella. It could have been the get some Z's. And this you can only get across the border. So that, you know, it could have been anything in there. But I'll tell you in a moment what I was actually going for. But this is the story. As I'm reaching for it with my left hand, my right hand, after picking it up, drops to turn around. And it drops and falls on something that is hanging on the inside of the pantry. And it has been hanging there for years. After we use it, we clean it and just hang it up right there. And it's never happened before. My two fingers run straight across the side of this spatula. And it's not a clean cut. It was just ripped. Blood is everywhere. I go over to the sink. Blood is falling in the sink. It hurt like it went to the bone. I'm holding it together, hoping I don't have to get stitches. Valerie comes over, sees it, and says, let's get in the car. We go immediately to the uh, emergency room, clinic, whatever. We go in. We get back basically at 12 at night. And fortunately, they just put some glue on it. They put some of the, the strips on it and wrapped it up just like this. So it looked like that I had like a little Mickey Mouse glove growing on my hand. Hey, everybody. And so this is, this is what I was dealing with for a few weeks. But listen, I get back that night at midnight and I'm like, no, I'm going to take back that moment. And that's exactly what I did. Yes, I did. I'm going to get me some Nutella at midnight because that will solve all problems, at least for a little while. And so even throughout life, there are small things, sometimes food things that we just want to take back that moment. We lost the moment. We lost that experience. We lost what we really wanted to have in the first place. 
And we just need to make a decision to just take it back. No matter the cost, let's just go take it back. Now, the scripture that I used last Sunday to start the whole message is one that I actually want to use during the entire message. But this week, I really want to break it down for you so that you can see who the real enemy is and the things that matter most in life. Not Nutella, but the things that matter most in life. Who is it? Jesus actually told us this in John 10. It's a familiar verse. Here's what he said. The thief comes only, only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus called him a thief. He's not your friend. His desire is to take away everything that is valuable in your life. And he actually, Jesus lays out the process by which he does it, which is so brilliant of Jesus, so kind of Jesus. And you think to yourself, wow, Jesus is like you know, and he does. And so I want to share with you exactly how the process works. When you look at the word still, the word that is used in Greek is klepto. Can you think of any English word that we use? Yeah, a klepto. I mean, it's just a pickpocket is who the thief is. And it's slow, right? Satan doesn't just come onto the scene of your life and take what's most valuable to you in a moment. It's a process that he uses. And the first thing he begins to do is just slowly pickpocket you when you're not looking, when you're not on guard, when you're not paying attention. He moves in in a very subtle way. Now, before I show you what the second word is, this used to confuse me growing up with this verse because it says steal and kill. And my thought would be, wow, you're going to steal and kill immediately and then destroy. How do you destroy something after it's been killed? The Greek word that is actually used is not the word kill like we think. The Greek word that's used is sacrifice. When Satan moves in to slowly begin pickpocketing what matters most in your life, which you love the most in your life, that you've made commitments to in your life, he then begins convincing you to sacrifice those things that matter the most in your life. Just one look won't matter. And you sacrifice a look at something that you shouldn't be looking at. We sacrifice with a conversation that we should never have. We sacrifice going to a place we should never go to. And the process has started where now he's not just pickpocketing our life. Now he's moving into our life so that we would begin sacrificing what matters the most, our relationship with Jesus, our marriage, our integrity, our character, our relationship with our kids. We're willing to sacrifice those things for what we think really matters most when we know in the moment it doesn't. After sacrifice, the word for destroy is actually two words that's combined away from full destruction. It's away from full destruction. Once he's pickpocketed our life, we began making sacrifices we would never make years past. And then he moves us away from what matters most to isolate us to fully destroy our relationships in life. He moves us away from Jesus. And we begin thinking he'll never love me now. Why? Because I sacrificed too much. Because that's been stolen. And so now move, having moved away, destruction, 
full destruction sets into our world and our marriage, we move away from one another. Full destruction sets into us spiritually. We move away from Jesus and we think there's no way that we could ever come back to him. And that's why I love that Jesus followed Satan's strategy in your life with these words. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, no one else, not a church, not a religious leader, but I came He comes to you when you can't come to him. But I came to give, not take away. I want to give you something that has been taken away from you. I want to give you life and life to the full. This is the plan of Jesus. And he starts at our heart. He starts at the place where it usually started at the loss, which was our heart, our passion, our desire. This is why scripture over and over says we should guard our heart. We should always watch out and be careful for the sacrifices that we begin making internally. And this is where Jesus begins, is inside of our heart. It's interesting, this week I was reading a passage in the book of John. I'm familiar with this verse. I've read this verse. If you grew up in church, you're probably very familiar with this verse. But this verse, in a matter of four verses, mentioned this word life three different times. And it was all in the context that Jesus gives you life. Jesus came for life. Jesus wants to bring you back to life if you've lost things. It was fascinating. And then I got to thinking, how many times did Jesus say this? I got to work. And I just started counting throughout scripture because that's what preachers do. We're bored. We have nothing to do. So we just count words in the Bible. And 46 times in the book of John alone, Jesus says he came to give you life. Not once in John 10, 10. 46 times he makes reference to giving you life if you feel like it's been taken away from you. 46 times to bring you back to life if you feel like something has died in your life. This is what Jesus does. And in the book of John, over and over and over and over, he says, I want to give you something not take away because Satan, the thief, has taken enough away from you. So get up if you feel like you've lost something and let me take it back with you and for you. And this is why it's so important that we talk about our heart if we've lost some things because the condition of your heart determines the quality of your life. This is mentioned over and over in scripture as well. In the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, Jesus talks about the wellspring of life. It's all throughout scripture that what's happening in here is the atmosphere out here. What's eating you away in here will eventually eat away at your relationships and your life here. So Jesus knows where to start. And he always starts with our heart from the inside out, not the outside in. So here's my question for you. Where's your heart? On a scale of zero to 10, where would you place your heart? Is it broken? Like it's just shredded. Something's happened. Maybe you did something. Maybe something happened to you. Or would you say it's whole? Like there's fullness of joy. There's life. There's, there's, there's a fresh just excitement about living that I have every day. Is it, is it restless? There's so much anxiety that you have about and fill in the blank. Like it's really hard for you to rest at night. Or would you say it's peaceful that even though chaos is all around you, You are well on the inside. 
Is it unhealthy? Like if you were just honest, and it's just you and Jesus, so just be honest because he knows anyway. Is it prideful? Arrogant? Jealous? Lustful? Or would you say, I actually have a healthy heart. Doesn't mean I have a perfect heart, but it's healthy. And, and as I look at my heart, I really do believe it's filled with joy and peace and kindness and goodness. Where would you place your heart? If it's anywhere below 10, and maybe it used to be at a 10, then as we said last week, man, you've lost some ground. And I love that Jesus steps into our life to say, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You only get one life and your heart matters. And if you get this right, your relationships on the outside get right. If you get this right, the odds of working in a different way at a job that maybe you don't like can change. So let's get this right and let's take back some things that the thief has stolen from you. And so I want to use a passage, but let me kind of set it up. You need to understand the disciples have been with Jesus for over three years now. They have seen miracles after miracle after miracle. They have seen a dead man come to life. They have seen a blind man receive sight, a lame man walk. Name the miracle, they've seen it. They have seen Jesus take a Chick-fil-A meal and turn it into 5,000 meals. And that was on a Sunday. Only Jesus, right? I mean, this is what they've watched and seen him do up close. You would think they have it figured out by now. This story shares otherwise. Here's what it says. The disciples crossed over to the other side of the lake. They had forgotten to take bread. So Jesus says, be careful, Jesus said to them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees Herod, I'm adding this because the same story is told in Mark and Herod is added, and Sadducees. And here's what Jesus tells them. The disciples said amongst themselves, he must be saying this because we didn't bring any lunch. <laughs> lunch, here's what happens. Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, your faith is so small. Why are you talking to each other about not having lunch? Don't you understand yet? See, if you're a slow learner like I am, this story gives you a lot of hope with Jesus. Because so many times with the disciples, they would watch him, they would see him, and then not understand anything that he's talking about. They think he's talking about lunch. He's trying to explain the kingdom of God to them. So here's what happens. Don't you understand yet, Jesus tells them? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000? Don't you remember how many baskets of pieces you gathered afterwards? Don't you remember the seven loaves for the 4,000? Most people don't know. There was a feeding of the 5,000 plus and there was a feeding of the 4,000 plus. There were two different miracles that took place. Don't you remember how many baskets of pieces you gathered? How can you possibly not understand? I wasn't talking to you about lunch. I was trying to explain what I really want to happen in your heart. I'm wanting your heart to have faith and grow. But apparently, this is taking a little bit longer. And Jesus, in his patience, continues teaching them about what can happen in their heart. And so here's what Jesus says. Watch out, guys. Just watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees, Herod, and Sadducees. 
Then the disciples understood that Jesus was not telling them to watch out for the yeast used in lunches. He was warning them about what the Pharisees, Herod, and Sadducees taught. I love that when we don't get it. Jesus just hangs in there with us until we get it, explains it a different way, and then it finally makes sense. They got it. They understood. Whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus is talking about our heart, which means he's talking about our life, which he always does. And he's wanting us to understand that what the Pharisees, Herod, and Sadducees taught, if it gets into our heart, we lose life. We never gain life. And Jesus uses this word yeast, right? I mean, just a little bit of yeast in a batch of dough goes a long way. It's an active ingredient that actually changes the entire dough that you're using. And Jesus is telling them it only takes a little, but it will spread like crazy. Now, if you're not used to cooking, because I'm not, you know, it's kind of like the bananas. I get this. One little brown spot can quickly cover every banana that's touching it, right? Or maybe mold. Um, one little spot of mold can actually grow so quickly. And Jesus is going, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like that. Kenny, use the banana. I'll use the banana. It's just like that. This is what Jesus is. So the question is, what did they teach? Great question. The disciples understood it. The teachings of the Pharisees was religion. These guys walked around in robes, long tassels. They, they had memorized the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They had memorized most of the Psalms. They knew the law. But they believed that keeping the law would make them honorable, accepted by God. So here's what they did. They didn't just keep the law. They added laws to keep more laws. And the Bible says this about religion, about these guys. They have a form of godliness, but they had no power. In other words, everything on the outside looked right. It all smelled right. It all sounded right, but they had no power. Could this be said of your heart? It's not just you don't go to church. You do go to church, at least online right now. But are you having victory or is something having victory over you? There's a difference. Or, or what about this verse? This is what Jesus said. These people honor me with their lips. But it's their heart that I'm looking at. And their hearts are far from me. It's easy in a religious setting, isn't it? I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And Jesus is going, do you? <laughs> like, really? Do you? Because it's so easy to say it. But I'm looking at the heart, and this is religion. Religion does a lot of things for God, but it has no relationship with God. Come on, come on, come on. Where's your heart? Is it wrapped up in religious duties for God? But you sit back and you really don't have a relationship with God. Jesus is looking at his disciples going, that can enter your heart if you're not careful. It can become all about the rules and you think that as long as you're a good person, which none of us are, that God will like you a little bit more. That's religion. And when religion steps in, so does pride will set in. 
judgmentalism will set in because religion will cut you down so that I can feel better about my own relationship with God. This was the Pharisees. This was, this was the anthem of their life. I need to feel better about myself. So I'm going to put so many rules on you that you feel really bad about yourself. Jesus says, watch out for the Pharisees, which means religion. And he said also, watch out, not just for the Pharisees, but watch out for the teachings of Herod. Herod just represented worldliness. Herod was the guy for Rome. He was large and in charge. He didn't have just one palace. He had many palaces throughout that area. He had all the money. He had the gold. He had the wealth. He had the power. And it's the worldliness of that moment that Jesus is going, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know Herod, right? Wrapped in more and more and more and more and more. Jesus says that can so seep into your heart. As a matter of fact, John, who was actually there recording what Jesus was talking about, he would later write these words. Do not love the world or anything in it. If, anything, if anyone loves the world, and he's talking about the system of the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Here's what people who belong to this world do. They try to satisfy what their sinful desires want to do. They long. Your heart longs for someone. Your heart longs for something. They long for what their sinful eyes, eyes look at. And they take pride in what they have and what they do. All of this comes from the world. None of it. None of it. None of it comes from the Father. It's interesting what it says. The love of the Father is not in them. It's not that you don't love the Father. It's that the love of the Father is not in you. So when the love of the Father is not in you, that you haven't experienced his love, you can't give that away. You can't love your spouse, your friend. You can't love your coworkers the way that God wants you to love them because you've loved the world too long and too much. Let me ask you something, your heart, come on, come on. Is it being enticed by the world? Is it being lured into slowly? It doesn't happen overnight. But that you love the world and the things of the world a little bit more and you find yourself sacrificing for the things at the world to the detriment of what? Jesus says this can happen to your heart if you're not careful. Not only was it Pharisees and Herod, Jesus said it's the teachings of the Sadducees, which basically represents hopelessness. Why hopelessness? Because the Sadducees were religious, but they didn't believe in eternal life. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And when you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when you don't believe he can bring dead things to life, when you don't believe eternal life, life to the full, really exists, the only thing you're left with is hopelessness and despair and depression. And depression, you are just depressed by the things of the world. So why wouldn't you only have hopelessness? in your life. Here's what Jesus said to these guys one day. That same day, the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him with a question and it goes on to talk about that question, but I just want to give you the answer real fast. Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Jesus says, if you only knew what my teaching was, you would know my teaching, which is truth. You get away from my truth, you end up in error after error after error. And when you get away from my truth, 
you just get away from the power of God, which leaves you hopeless. And this is what Jesus was talking about. The teachings of the Pharisees, the religion will steal everything that Jesus wants to give you. Herod, the worldliness will kill and you'll sacrifice things just to have more and the next and the better. And the Sadducees' hopelessness will pull you away from relationships that matter most and leave you depressed and lifeless. But there's another teaching, right? What teaching? It's the one telling the story. The guy who's telling the story is Jesus and his teachings lead to life and it's life to the full. Any other teaching than Jesus and his teaching leads to something being stolen, something being killed, something being destroyed, not overnight, just in time. And Jesus says, that's what the thief wants to come to do in your heart. But I want to come to your heart and I want to give you life life the way it was meant to be lived. Now, as you know, we, we love sharing stories at this place. We love it. I want to share the story of my buddy, Derek. Met him uh, almost about a year ago, I guess, at the Regal campus. And uh, Derek and I actually went through starting point together and he's become a friend of mine. This past week, Derek and a few others were baptized and you'll get to see their video on October the 11th when we open up, so you don't want to miss that. But I asked Derek if I could read his story to you today because I think it ties in perfectly with what Jesus is teaching us. Here's what Derek said. Before I had Jesus in my life, I had an emptiness inside that I could not explain. There was nothing in my life that would bring me peace or satisfaction no matter what I tried. I remember getting to a critical point in my life. I knew if I didn't make drastic changes, I would lose everything in my life that was important to me, but I had no idea how to change and what needed to change. I was invited to the bridge by a friend of mine during the Joyride series. After my second visit, I felt something was different. I had a small sense of relief. I went back the next week and after the service, I went next door to ask the prayer team to pray for me. That relief I felt began to grow over the coming weeks. I knew something had happened on the inside of me. Jesus was changing my life. One example of that change is my relationship with my mom. My mom and I always fought. It was bad, really bad. But Jesus did a miraculous work. I remember driving over one day to pick up my sister. Things had been so bad I honestly didn't want to see my mom that day. At this point, we had not spoken to one another for months. When she saw me, the triggers began for both of us. But instead of arguing with my mom, I felt compelled to do something I never imagined myself doing. I stayed calm and I asked my mom to pray with me. At that moment, my mother gave her life to Jesus Christ. We are now repairing years of destruction the enemy did. It's just so amazing. Jesus has shown me his incredible power personally. This past Saturday, September the 12th, barely a year after my first visit to the bridge, I was baptized. My mom was present, my sister, and my very best friend. 
I feel like God has given me a purpose. I pray every day to further that purpose. My friends and family have noticed a change in me as well. And no one can explain it except to say it is the power of Jesus Christ. You want to know who was baptized with him that day as well? His mom. That's what Jesus does. He comes and gives life to dead things, to dead people, to dead relationships. And he not only, not only gives life, but he gives it back in a way that it was never experienced before. And if Satan has stolen something from you slowly over time, and maybe you sacrificed some things to get what you thought you really wanted, but you found yourself pulled away, isolated, feeling destruction setting in, not just internally at this point, but that you were losing things in life that you couldn't control anymore. Jesus steps in to say, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Get off the mat. Let me give you back what he stole. And when I give it back to you, yeah, there's gonna be some repairing to do. Yeah, there's gonna be some work to do, some hard work perhaps to do. But once it's back, you will value it in a way that you never did before. There'll be a beauty to it. There'll be a power to it. You can't explain other than just to say, it was me and it was me all along. And so my question to you is this, do you want to experience life? Where's your heart? If it's broken, come to the one who calls himself the healer and others would say he healed mine. He can do the same. Is it restless? Come to the one that's called the Prince of Peace, if that's what you're looking for. Is it broken and shattered? Come to the one who can make it whole. This is what he does. And it's not that we actually come to him. We discover he's the one who's coming to us. So I wanna pray with you, wherever you are, would you just bow your heads and pray with me if that's you and just say to him, Jesus, I need you. The best way I know how, I bring my heart to you. I surrender it to you. You know the pain. You know what happened to me. You also know what I did. And the best way I know how, I ask for forgiveness. I ask for healing. Make me new. I believe you died for my sins. But I also believe you came back to life. To give me life. Your life. So I receive you as a gift today to change me just like you did with Derek. Thank you that you have promised to make me new and the old things of my life are gone and you will never leave me or forsake me. In your name I pray, amen.